Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to An Hour of Our Time, the podcast where we pick a topic, research it, and tell you about what we've learned. This week, we're covering idioms for the third time. We'll have a little bit of a roundtable discussion about the origins and uses of some interesting idioms. I'm Dave. I'm Mark. I'm Joe. Well, the weather is finally getting a little bit better outside. Oh, I was in such a good mood the other day. Yeah, well, it's going to be cold the next few days, but it was really nice, and I think I think we're through the 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 winter. So, turns out to be a good time to get a dog, as I'm currently trying to do, because you know the whole house training and stuff will be much easier when it's not 20 degrees and snowing. Well, we're so. in. It's. I mean, right now it's we're going to get into fake spring, but then. We'll have third winter. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But you know, in in Ohio, once you get to April, things start to look pretty nice. And looking at the forecast, foreseeable forecast in March, it's looking looking like it's going to be okay. So well, I'm not done because after after third winter, then you get the pollening. The pollening, yeah. The pollening, which actually I think is already starting to happen, <clears throat> as you may be able to hear mm. in my voice. Well, I've, I bring this up because it seems that whenever the weather starts to get nice, we have the urge to do our most fun episode, or what we have the most fun with, which is our, our episodes about idioms. We mm-hmm. have done this twice in the past. Um, Joe, you were involved in the in the last one, which was sometime, I think, late last summer. So once or twice a year, we've been doing this. Yeah, in person. Last one we did in person. Um an episode about idioms. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know what we're talking about. If not, what we'd like to do is a roundtable discussion about the origins of some popular idioms. And I, and I think a good place to start, we always start here, is just reminding ourselves and everybody what an idiom is. So essentially, an idiom is a group of words that only have their meaning in context. If you were to separate them, they would mean something entirely different. So um, I'm trying to think of one that we've covered in past episodes. It's a good example. Under the weather, Mark brought up last time. Um, you know, that that's, I think, a pretty good example. The The dictionary definition is a group of words established by usage and having a meaning not deducible from those of the individual words. So this is are mostly like colloquial phrases. And I think they are very colorful and fun. Yeah, in yeah. the last uh well, but two episodes we talked about like that idioms are confusing for people for whom that language is not their first language. So we're you know, in the previous episodes we talked about English language idioms. <laughs> They're very confusing for people for whom English is the, their second language. Um, 
and they're also confusing for children is something that I brought up <laughs> last time. Yeah, I think a, I think a way to think of it is like when you're not a native speaker of a language, it takes you a long time to get accustomed to like the common parlance mm-hmm. of casual conversation. So idioms are frequently informal. It's not something you would use in formal writing. It's very much informal, and often they are they can be regional, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And as we discussed last time. We sort of did a past, present, future last time. A lot of the idioms we talked about in the last episode about idioms was uh, were things that were very antiquated. Mark, you had a good one from the Old West. Do you remember what it was? Um, Something about bowling. Oh, like nine and down or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we talked about what is the modern uh, idiom. And like I think we talked about like AF is a good example. I thought of, actually my wife thought of what the modern idiom is. Is it a meme? Uh, well, I think we discussed that. Yeah. I think so. Um, movie phrases. Reciting oh. phrases uh, from I, popular films. I remember talking about this with, with, um, with somebody at work that, that I was thinking the same thing, that the, 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 modern idiom is movie phrases and how i don't know why and i read a study about this once that that is a a very male thing men tend to use movie phrases out of context far more than women in common conversation it's because we weren't taught how to relate on an emotional level with our our peers (laughs) although i'll say like liana and i do that all the time Oh, um, we you know, yeah, almost whole conversations in um, references, and it usually is different shows. So, a great example for us in our house is from the movie Elf. When someone is leaving, we will say, "Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad." Like, <laughs> the like the claymation narwhal. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but no, we get it. But it does to the person who has the context, and that's important to the, to the idiom. Context. Exactly. The interesting thing that we'll talk about in this episode is that we often have the context of the idiom now because of its regular use, but have lost the context of its origin. Mm-hmm. And I find that very interesting. From an anthropology standpoint, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Do What's you think that a reference in- is is an idiom in itself? I, I think I think it is if you use it not just to reference, like if you just say it because it's a funny thing to say, then no. But if you use it in place of something else to mean something, much like a meme, that's why I say a meme, I think, is another example of a modern idiom. It has to take the place of a plainly spoken statement. We also brought up the the um, Star Trek episode. Oh, uh, Darmok. Darmok, yeah. because they... They're essentially communicating <laughs> in like memes and movie f- uh, catchphrases. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I don't think a movie reference or or what's happening in Darmok is 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 exactly an idiom. No. I just think that because of the way we're attached to media, those sorts of things have taken the place of yes. what is traditionally thought as an idiom. So I don't think it's truly an idiom. It's just the new form of such a thing yes or over time those things could become an idiom right yes they can well i 
I don't know. I can't just like do shit like <laughs> normal. So last time I found, like I got interested in like classes of idioms. And last time I got interested in the sheer number of idioms relating to guns because of like the strong, you know, gun culture yeah. going back to the founding of the U.S. Well, I decided like what would be another like broad category of idioms food idioms hmm. so all of the ones that i have are food idioms um, okay and i just want to like list out like a range of them just to like give you an example of like exactly how many of them there are and then i will go in depth on some of them oh i was gonna say do you have the proof is in the pudding no i do not okay go ahead but we could episode four there you go uh, apple of my eye, bun in the oven, bad egg, big cheese, which I will talk about, bread and butter, bring home the bacon, butter someone up, carrot top, cool as a cucumber, cream of the crop, not my cup of tea, egg someone on, full of beans, which I have never heard used. Fuck a pie. Gra- <laughs> Gravy train, which I will talk about, hard nut to crack, hot potato. On and on and on. I guess it's because everybody eats, right? So yes. it's easy, like, and in the United States, everybody owns and shoots guns. Right. So, you know, but everybody well, eats, so it's easy to make. And, like, there's lots of idioms about the weather because mm-hmm. everybody experiences the weather. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's a universal thing. So uh, I'll start with one. A piece of cake. If I said something is a piece of cake, what do I mean? It's exceedingly easy. Yeah. This one, Mark, is that your conception of it? Yeah, something that does not take a lot of effort. Yeah, because we found that sometimes we had different ideas about idioms because that's part of the thing is there's no like agreed upon definition necessarily. It, it also means that it's something that's delicious and is not ice cream because ice cream cake is bullshit. I want what? cake and what? I want ice cream. I don't need them together. I Whoa, want them separate. Spicy. Spicy hot takes here. Do not like ice cream cake. Mm. Well, I mean, no, I'll perfect. eat it, but I'm not going to like it. Dare, Dave, Dave Bugard's dare to be wrong on uh, <laughs> live on the air here. <laughs> hot take. Cold take. Anyway. <laughs> so this one I found interesting. Because hot takes, the, cold takes as well. <laughs> <laughs> the origins are unclear of the, of this phrase. Um, so, like, it means something easily accomplished. Um, one of the origins uh, goes to the Royal Air Force in the 1930s um, in referencing an easy mission. This is also sort of synonymous with easy as pie. But the thing about it is it kind of doesn't make sense because making a cake is very or pie is very difficult. So we think that it relates to the ease of eating a delicious piece of cake. Um, but um, there's probably a more comp, a probably more in-depth and problematic definition uh, of piece Uh-oh. of cake. <laughs> yeah. That, that relates to, um, Oh, but it was also um, one of the first uses of this goes back to um, the, uh, poet Ogden Nash, um, who wrote in the uh, poem The Primrose Path, 
her pictures in the papers now and life's a piece of cake. So that's from the thirties. So it, it goes back at least that far, but it seems to tie in with this other phrase called the cakewalk. Oh, okay. Which is also mean a cakewalk also means that something is easy. Yes. So these might be intertwined, but it's not clear. So the cakewalk. It's a type of dance, isn't it? It is a type of dance. Do you know where the okay. dance, this type of dance originated? Mm, I'm going with Belgium. No. Uh, be the waffle, waffle walk. <laughs> the Stroop waffle walk. Uh, this goes back to slave plantations. So oh. this is one of these idioms where like you realize that they have like like I said like weird or or even problematic origins. Yeah. They make you question using them. I think up the river was the one that we talked about last time that had this same problem. Right. But you I mean people yeah throw this phrase around and have no idea. So anyway, um this uh goes back to dance contests where couples would uh, walk in a line, do the cake walk, and the winners would receive a cake. Um, they would uh, walk around in this sort of like, uh, like exaggerated, ostentatious manner that was probably mocking their masters mm. in a way that some sources I found said that they probably knew that they were being mocked, but they let it happen anyway. Other people said that this was a way to mock the slave owners in a you know way that they wouldn't understand. Um, okay. But either way, this then sort of like evolved into um, minstrel shows and things like that. Um, but uh, those two phrases uh, um, seem to uh, go hand in hand. Also, the phrase that takes the cake is tied in with that as well. Okay. Because if you won the cakewalk, you would get cake. So there you go. That makes sense. That's interesting. Yeah, I never stood easy as pie because, like, have either of you tried to make a pie before? Yeah. It's fucking hard. Depends Fuck on the kind up. of pie, but it can be very difficult, yeah. Yeah. Arguably, pie is harder to make than cake, but anyway. Sure. So that's that one. Well, I got one. What about it's in the bag, or I've got it in the bag? It's a done deal. Yeah, it's a done deal. It's not actually done yet, but you like know it's going to happen. It's the that reminds me of like a you know relatively new phrase. Hold on to that bag, which means like hold on to your money. Oh, I don't know that one. I heard someone exclaim once, "Blowing bags." And I thought it meant cocaine, but it means spending a lot of money. Oh, okay. Okay. Like Monopoly Man sacks of money. Yeah. Well, does anybody have a guess as to what the origin is of I've got it in the bag? Got it in the bag. Is it like going back to like like stagecoach robbers? Nope. Bank robbers? You'll never guess. No, probably not. It is well documented in our podcast that I love baseball. And this one is a baseball reference. Mm. So I guess the New York Giants, who are now the San Francisco Giants, um, had a superstition. In 1916, they had a run of, of 26 consecutive wins. 
And like in modern baseball, you need a lot of baseballs to play a game because they get hit over the fence, you know, into the stands, they get dirty, you change them out. So at the be- at that time, there would be a bag full of 72 extra baseballs that was placed on the field at the beginning of the game um, to be used throughout the game. But their superstition was if they had the lead in the ninth inning, they would pull that bag from the field because they kept winning. And they would say that the win is in the bag, meaning that the baseballs needed for the game to go further are in the bag. We're going to remove those. We've got the win. It's in the gotcha. bag. The hmm. game is 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 contained in the bag. And that's where that comes from. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Interesting. You're right. I never in a million years would have got that. Yeah. Well, I know this this streak because Cleveland had a streak of, I believe, 23 wins back in 2017. I was there for two of those wins. Um, and I remember they were chasing the New York Giants to try to get that record of 26. So there you go. Mark, what do you got? I took this in a little bit of a a different direction and decided to look into idioms in foreign languages to see if maybe some of them are the same or if they're different. And some of them are weird. (laughs) And a few of them I'm going to try to pronounce in their native language. Okay. Uh, The first one is Spanish. Mucho ruido y pocas nueces. That means a lot of noise, no walnuts. What do you think that means? Uh, maybe the, that, like when you shake walnuts out of a walnut tree, like you is, could do a, a whole bunch and maybe you, you get no results. Well, is it like cracking walnuts is like, you know, noisy and messy if you're like going to a lot of trouble, but you don't have anything to show for it? Um, the def- the definition that this website that I'm looking at gives is all talk and no action. Ah, okay. And with these being foreign language, I mean, I don't really know like the background to them, um, but I assume from the context that walnuts are plentiful in Spain and, you know, you can shake the tree and the sound of them falling out means you got some nuts to deal with. Um, but if you shake it and you hear noise, but don't, don't see the walnuts, you don't get that profit. So that was a cool one. I'll give you another, another quick one here. Is it possible that like the translation to English is affecting these a little bit? Um, I don't know. These are all pretty short phrases. Okay. I don't know. It's up to you. If you are a, um, foreign listener, let us know. Um, this other one is French. Les carottes sont cuites. It means the carrots are cooked. Um, well, I guess if a carrot is cooked, it gets kind of mushy. There's no going back on that. Exactly. You're totally right. The situation cannot be changed. You cannot firm a carrot after it has been cooked. I don't know. I've never tried to put a cooked carrot in a freezer, but I suspect... It would harden, but would not have the integrity of the original carrot. Okay. Yeah, never going to be the same again. Yeah. I like that one. Um, Avere gli occhi foderati di prosciutto. To have one's eyes lined with ham. What, What language was that? Italian. Italian. 
To have what was the what was it? What does it mean? To have one's eyes lined with ham. Is this like uh, like in the Bugs Bunny cartoons where like the wolf or whatever would like see like hams? Or his eyeballs will turn into hams. So he's gonna go, you know, try to eat Bugs Bunny or something. I think motherfuckers just hungry in that situation. Um, what would be the English equivalent of this? To have wool pulled over your eyes. Oh, oh. I actually had looked up the uh, de- the where that came from, and apparently it's uh, a series of biblical references. It means that you oh, can't yeah. see something directly in front of you or something that's obvious. Because mm. you, you got you got too much prosciutto. You got yeah, prosciutto guys. on the brain. <laughs> I mean. Who among us does not have prosciutto on the brain? That's true. I've got some prosciutto in my refrigerator right now. Um, I got one more to um, to pronounce. Okay, and it's a it's a good one. Alles hat eine Ende, nur die Wurst hat zwei. It's just German, obviously. Everything has one end; only the sausage has two. Ah, uh, sounds deep. It definitely sounds German. It's amazing how it's more German in English. Basically, it means everything comes to an end. Except for sausage? Except for sausage, because it has two ends. It's a little bit of German humor for you. Yes, that sounds right, because it's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. I like it. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll throw. I'll give you another one here. Okay. Hua shu tianzu. Is that Mandarin? Um. Yeah. Okay. It it means uh, drawing a snake with feet. We might have already talked about this one. Does that mean that something's unrealistic? Hmm. No. Hmm. Mm, just like trying to make, just trying to make something happen that's not going to happen, or you're adding on, you're, you're adding on something that's unnecessary. Close. Uh, it mm. means telling a story with long-winded, unnecessary information. Oh, so what I do? Like when <laughs> Michael Scott is trying to tell a story, <laughs> and they tell him, "Get to the point." Right. He's mm. talking about when he he. When Quit. he went to corporate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he finally has a story we all want to hear. He knows it. <laughs> um, I got a Polish one. I have no fucking idea how to pronounce this. Not my circus, not my monkeys. So not my problem? Yeah, I like that one. These are fun. I think problem with like these, though, is like, it's like a, it's kind of like a joke. When you explain the joke, it's like it it robs it of something. Well, exactly the point of like if you're not a native speaker, there is something lost in having to have it explained. Yeah. Well, right. which is a category that memes I feel like share. Oh yeah, it's like we discussed. Like if I <laughs> same with movie references. Yeah. If you got to go back and like set the scene and it doesn't work. And my wife will hear me giggling. I'm looking at my phone. It's like, what's funny? I'm like, if I had to 
try to explain this meme to you would not be funny anymore. <laughs> well, Joe, do you have another idiom? I sure do. So mine are all food. Um, so if I told you that my product was selling like hotcakes, what does that mean? Flying off the shelves. Yeah, it's, it's selling really well. Just, uh, yep, being a great commercial success or or also the implication that I'm getting rid of them quickly. So um, if, if you had to guess where this comes from, what would you guess? Well, I'd guess that there was a time in maybe the Old West or in, uh, you know, an, a time maybe 100 or so years ago where hotcakes were selling very, very well because they're extremely easy and cheap to make. Could be a Depression era saying? This is what I would have guessed. Yes. Okay. Because, yeah, the pancakes are like one of the cheapest foods you can make, right? Yeah. Um, like to, you know, feed a lot of people. Apparently, it's far older than that. Oh. Um, but um, there's two possible origins. Again, with a lot of these, it's like they don't, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. The first one's pretty straightforward. Like some of these have like kind of convoluted origins or we've lost the original meaning, but this is pretty straightforward. So, um, so hotcakes or pancakes, um, at least there's lots of cultures have something like this, but as far as English, these go back to about the 1400s, okay. um, uh, derived from crepes. So while, you know, we've talked about several episodes, like the great rivalry between Britain and France throughout history up until, you know, actually fairly recently. Yeah. Um, there was a, a huge demand for a lot of French culture, especially with the upper uh, echelons of society in England. But anyway, so crepes were super popular. Um, and at fairs, they would they were very popular and would sell out quickly. So hotcakes literally were an item that sold very well at English fairs. So that's like a kind of a direct lineage. Um, okay. But here's another origin. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Shrove Tuesday? Yeah. No. What's that, Mark? Yeah, I know it's a religious holiday, but I don't really know what it what the deal is. So What's it's, the deal with Shrove Tuesday? <laughs> they eating all their pancakes, Jerry. Um. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, they're eating donuts. Uh, Shrove Tuesday is the day before Lent in a lot of cultures. So it's like carnival. So, so is that the Mardi day Gras. before Fat Wednesday? Fat tu- is that Fat Tuesday? <laughs> it's Fat Tuesday. Yeah. So also known as Shrove Tuesday in some cultures. And what you would do is you would use up all the food items that you were giving up for Lent. So butter, sugar, things like that, fat. And you would just make a bunch of food like pancakes and sweet bread and things like that to use up all the stuff that you weren't going to use for the next month. Um, hmm. So selling like hotcakes is you're just going to stuff yourself full of hotcakes before Lent. Hmm. Or if you're me, Sunday morning. <laughs> I like that. All right, so that's that's selling like hotcakes. What about hands down? Hands down. No, Mark, I no somehow, contest. 
I somehow expected you to make a dashboard confessional joke. Uh, not me. You get the wrong uh, guy. But you're right, Mark. No context. Or no, sorry, <clears throat> no contest. Um, where does it come from? Well, last time we did this, I talked a lot about horse-related puns or horse-related idioms. Um, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, um, things like that. This is also a horse racing reference. Um, comes from the 19th century when a jockey was so far ahead and could so easily win a race that he would remove his hands from the reins. Okay. What does that yeah. signify? Well, it means basically the race is so he's won the race by so much that he can sort of relax, take his hands off the reins. So hands down, like it's definitely going to happen. He's, he's, uh, he's taking his hands off and just giving one of these yep. everyone behind him. Yep. Or one of these. I'll give you a similar one. Well, vaguely similar. What about riding shotgun? Uh, riding in the front passenger seat. Yes. Why? Why shotgun? Well, I always heard that this was from like the wild what the wild west. You're right, uh, Joe. Stagecoach. Uh, the driver would be driving the stagecoach, and next to them, you'd have a shotgun to defend the stagecoach. Usually, a stagecoach is a two-seater in the front, so the person sitting to the right of the driver is usually holding a shotgun so as to defend against you know marauders of some sort. So there's riding shotgun. You better ride shotgun because we got bandits in their woods. You get down there, that, that slot canyon, you better hold on to your shotgun. They even got coyotes. It's, it's, Pop, it's Popcorn Jimmy, remember him? Yep. <laughs> oh, I remember him. I've been biding my time for his triumphant return. Where did he come from, the Gold Rush or episode? Qu- Quinine Jimmy. <laughs> the Gold Quinine Rush Jimmy's got a he's got to travel south. The, 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 the Gold Rush episode. Yeah. yeah. Mark, what it, you got? Um, I learned that um, Australia is a land of colorful idioms and phrases. I believe that. As one might expect. Some I bet they are, are harsh. Harsh and severe. He's got a kangaroo loose in the top paddock. So he's, you know, a little bit disturbed mentally. Kangaroo lo- Hold on. Kangaroo loose in the top paddock. Either that or it's like a, a phrase for a guy who has like one testicle due to some sort of accident. <laughs> a kangaroo specific accident. <laughs> it wouldn't be our podcast I just, if I wasn't going to try to relate this to the scatological. <laughs> it just makes me think about the, you guys probably don't watch a lot of children's movies, but in the movie Finding Nemo, the dentist goes, I got to go see a man about a wallaby, which the implication being that he's going to go take a shit. So um, this, I can't get that out of my head, Mark. So I'm I'm thinking this has somehow relating to taking a shit. Uh, no, it, it is answered with another idiom. He's got a screw loose. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. like a, okay. a goofy or crazy person. But I heard this in something, and I thought that it was a joke. But apparently, it's a real um, Australian slang phrase. That 
I couldn't possibly get <laughs> more stereotypically Australian. Yeah, that's like the funny thing about idioms also. I said they could be regional. They almost have a nationality. Yeah. Groggy's got a kangaroo loose in the top paddock. Okay, here's a here's a, a quintessential Australian phrase. A fair suck on the sauce bottle. Pardon me? Fair suck of the sauce bottle. It has I something to do with, with beer. With booze, yeah. It's a beer reference, but it has another Fair contextual... It's, it's Australian for beer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a phrase... Um, that basically means like a fair chance. Um, oh, generally okay. means that you want to be treated fairly. And uh, apparently there was an Australian prime minister named Kevin Rudd who yes. used a lot of these types of phrases in speeches and he popularized it. Fair mm-hmm. suck was coined by struggling Australian farmers who shared um, drops of tomato sauce to flavor their meat. Such was the hard life that they wanted was an equitable suck. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Get some of that sauce. So how does it, I mean, sauce. how do you connect it to beer then? Uh, like, well, like everybody deserves okay. alcohol? I guess oh, it, pa- it, it could also around. be like your fair share. Yeah. If you're passing around a bottle, you get... Yeah. You know, I want, like I want a, my fair suck. A little, little, little puff puff pass. You get a good swig, yeah. you know. Everyone gets a little bit. Um, Can't babysit that shit. <clears throat> yeah, don't 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 bogart my uh, Foster's oil can, mate. <laughs> I got a couple that are references to individual people. Okay. Um, this is a, a real Darmok thing, so if you didn't know the story about it, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> gotcha. Um, one is called Buckley's Chance. And this is uh, a phrase coined after a guy named William Buckley, who is the Australian Robinson Crusoe. Somehow I Um, heard about this. He escaped a convict ship, and three decades later, they found him um, on an island with a bunch of Aboriginal children. Oh. So he, like, fucked off and went and created a new life for himself. Interesting. I think that that's what this means. Good for him. Um, the other one is... Tell me what the saying was again. Buckley's Chance. Huh. Okay. Oh, he doesn't have a Buckley's Chance in hell. Is that... That can't be how it's used. But can you use it in a sentence? We'll give him the old Buckley's Chance. (laughs) Oh, okay. There's more (laughs) to this story. (laughs) Okay. Um, The people who found him realized that it was this Buckley guy... And he was given a pardon for whatever his original crime was, and he was used as a peacemaker between the Europeans and the Aboriginal people living in that area of Australia because he kind of got in with them. Um, His local knowledge led settlers to indigenous tribes through um, Victoria province, state or whatever. Um, He advocated cooperation. Um. Oh, uh, after the 1840s, um, uh, which was a decade of indigenous slaughter, um, 
it was said that he had uh, Buckley's chance of making peace. So I guess this would be a slim chance. Got it. Okay, so sense? Joe's okay. usage was, although he combined it with another idiom in a way, it's pretty yeah. pretty accurate. I did not explain that very well. I did. I did good. Okay. Nice. Um, the other one is to do the Harry. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and this is um, to disappear or go off the grid. And this is also Australian. Yeah, this is named after a guy named Harold Holt who was the prime minister and he disappeared off the Australian coast in 1967. Um, Some people think that he deliberately left to dip out of his responsibilities of being prime minister. So it's like faking your own death. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not sure whatever happened to this guy. Right. Uh, It's more likely that he got like swept out into the ocean and died. But when you do the Harry, you peace out. It's like a French exit. Oh, the old, uh, the old Irish goodbye. Yeah, I was gonna say, is a French exit a thing? I know the Irish goodbye. You guys huh. are, you guys are good, good men, Midwestern boys. Do you, uh, are you, do you take like a half hour to leave someplace? Leanna says that I struggle with this sort of a thing. She accuses Joe and I of, of not this Joe, but other Joe of, of um, not being able to separate. Dilly dally. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. When I talk to my mom on the phone, it takes like three false. Well, I'll see you later to like get off the phone. <laughs> it, it both, both my family and my wife's family. It's very much like, okay, goodbye. <clears throat> Okay, goodbye. Right now we're leaving. Oh, we better. Oh, look at the time. We better leave. Half hour later, we're finally leaving. And I, it makes me just <laughs> lose my mind. Yeah. So I am a huge advocate of the Irish goodbye. Hey, where'd Joe go? Oh, he left. Yeah. No, I can see that for sure. Except I can't do that because I have like, kids and stuff so it's instead it's like we're leaving <laughs> right and then i just look like a maniac but you can't be yeah. inconspicuous with kids no never never what about costs an arm and a leg well that means something was excessively expensive yeah where does it come from is this gonna be like a reference to our torture episode <laughs> See, I always assumed that. I always thought it was sort of a literal statement. Like, you have to give up things that are invaluable, like an arm and a leg. Yeah. But I read that it actually originated in the 17th century when people with wealth would, would get portraits done. It was way too expensive even for them to get your full body done. So you'd only get, like, a, you know, your chest up because it would cost an arm and a leg. Um, I guess an g- example of this was George Washington, but I don't know that he ever actually said it. But having limbs in a in a painting often costs more. If you think about this time period, who are the only people you can think of with paintings of their full bodies? Rich people. Very, very wealthy. Usually monarchs. Yeah. <clears throat> so the very top. Um, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. It, it the... isn't, isn't quite as literal as I assumed it was. Hmm. Yeah, until like the photograph. Yeah. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, if I said that I was going to ride the gravy train, what would uh, what would I be doing? Isn't Am that I eating mean, some delicious mashed potatoes? Isn't that mean like you're coming into wealth, or you have like a benefactor? Mark, what do you think? Um, it's like um, a good payoff. What was the phrase that we used earlier? That means kind of the same thing. Oh, like easy as cake. Oh yeah, or a cakewalk. Uh, yeah. So, Dave, you're you're correct. Um, there's several different ways to use it, but like, um, riding the gravy train is like excessive ease or success or profit. It's usually money is connoted by this, mm. um, especially like undeservedly. Like it's too easy. Like, oh, he his job is really easy. Like he's just gonna ride the gravy train until. You know, he gets bored with that job or whatever. Yeah. Um, often said about us in our line of work, Dave. <laughs> the so, the non the nonprofit world. <laughs> right. It also could mean being like inappropriate with a turkey baster. Yes. Yeah. Riding the, <laughs> ride, riding the gravy train. So, where do you think that this comes from? Um, I don't know. I would imagine the gravy would be sort of a food of the wealthy. Uh, you know, if you go back to Victorian England, so maybe something tied to that, that the wealthy would have an easier life. I so, keep tying this to money, but yeah, it's probably not, not appropriate. So this is rail. This is old timey railroad slang. Ooh. So literally a train. Oh, yes. like the, the food car, the train, the train parts, literal, the gravy parts, not. Ah, Okay. So gravy was, you know, and gravy means different things uh, depending on where you are. In English, gravy typically means a brown sauce made from meat drippings. Right. Um, But other places, you know, gravy can mean other things. There's a... uh, Dave, did you ever know anyone or anyone in your family refer to red sauce as gravy? No. Suppose so, so. A lot of people think that, like, that 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 uh, it's an Italian thing to call sauce gravy. That's I've probably, never I've never heard that. No, that is almost certainly an Italian American thing, not an Italian thing. I feel like but that's a, a people who like aren't actually Italian making an assumption. People in the Mid Atlantic United States, Italian Americans will swear that gravy is the correct word from Italy, but no. somehow that got picked up on the way here or when they got here. Um, so that's, that's mm-hmm. a, you know, a, uh, an aside sauce is used in Italy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we get our word sauce from salsa from Spanish. Sure. Makes sense. So it's from Latin anyway. Um, gravy meant like something that was easy and delicious. So if you were riding the gravy train, um, this was um, basically you had uh, a route or, or, you know, your, yeah, your, your railroad route was very easy and there were no stops or complications. And so you 
could ride the gravy train, you would get paid for not very much work. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the uh, One of the earliest uses uh, seems to be from the early 1900s. There was a blues singer called W.C. Handy who used it in one of his songs in 1914 in which he talks about falling off the gravy train. So falling on hard times. Yeah. Well, if you were, yeah, if you were on your route on the gravy train and you fell off, you'd miss out on this easy profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I that's right. That's riding the gravy train. It literally means a train, but the mm. gravy part is not literal. Sure. So kind of the opposite of what I would have expected. <laughs> yeah. I definitely thought it was more literal. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. again, again, you know, we've said that a few times now. Yep. We got time for a few more, Mark. Do you have any more? Yeah, I got, I got a couple more, more uh, Australian ones. Okay. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Oh, knifey spoony. <laughs> um, six of one, half a dozen of another. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it means it's the same. It's the same, yeah. It's the same. Yeah, whether it's 50-50 odds, whatever decision you make will not likely affect the outcome of this situation. Six of one, half a dozen of another means that you'll end up with a dozen anyway, unless, of course, it's a baker's dozen. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Australian in origin? Uh, I guess. Hmm. I don't know if this is technically an idiom, but I think that this is interesting. Um, Australian people call their money lobsters, pineapples, gray nurse nurses um because it references the color of the bills that they have ah. See, shit, shit like this that like, <laughs> makes australia seem like another planet yeah. well it's like we call greenbacks it's just a different you know what i mean a loony so wait a second i think you're right mark i don't think this is technically an idiom i think that this is that dividing line between what is an idiom and what is an expression mm. or a, a reference so the the $20 bill is red, the 50 note is yellow, and the $100 note is a blue-gray color, and it's called a gray nurse, referring to a nurse shark. Ah. And and I meant six of one, half dozen of another is, I think, just a saying. It's not really an idiom, huh. because it literally means what it means. So. You know what I mean? I understand. Kind of a gray area. It is kind of a gray area. Also, a gray area is an idiom. Yes. <laughs> We, we, we realized this in the other two episodes that we end up, people end up speaking in idioms all the time because we've got hundreds of years of referential material. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's you basically, ha- language is basically the Marvel movie of life because <laughs> it, there's nothing original about it. It's just re- relying on source material all the time. Well, I thought you were going to say it's just built up upon itself. I mean, it's both of those things. Yeah, and you you're just coming uh, at us fast and loose did, with the ooh, uh, hot did we the ever, hot hot takes. Did we ever t- do we ever talk about turn a blind eye? I think we did. I believe you did in the first oh, okay. games episode. Skip it. <laughs> well, I have one more food one. Okay. If I said I was the that guy over there, he's the big cheese. Uh, he's what, like, what does that mean? He's in charge. He's a head honcho. He's the boss. Yep. He's the one who is has the highest authority. 
Mark, where do you, what do you think this comes from? What was the phrase? Sorry. The big cheese. The big cheese? Um, means like the, the boss, big man on campus. And I assume that, I don't know, a big thing of cheese is probably pretty expensive. So maybe it's like a wealthy, wealthy manpower phrase. Yep. Yeah, I think I read some, you know, that maybe it's hard to parse out where this phrase comes from. I like some of these where the meaning is or the origin sort of been lost, but, um, yeah, if you, <laughs> one literal interpretation is like, if you had a lot of cheese, you were probably wealthy. But one, um, idea that I found was interesting is that, um, it might be a, a language mix up. So, um, <clears throat> the, in uh, the language, the Urdu language, which is one of the languages that is spoken in India. Um, there's a mistranslation uh, of the word chiz, which means a thing. So like it's a, he's a big thing, but the big, the big chiz, but that becomes big cheese because if there's anything that we've seen, like these idioms episodes or our history episodes, people, people uh just people tend to appropriate things appropriating things or like mishearing something and saying and eh, that's probably fine right um so yeah the the big cheese then became you know the 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 big boss or a big deal yeah. I've, I, I've got a i love that idea that that's how it came i do too and, and i've got another food one to, to attack on to you Go for what it. about what about spill the beans? Mm. Do you, you you revealed a secret? Yeah, you perhaps revealed prematurely. A secret. Where does it come from? I want to say it's not literally spilling beans. You're right. Well, actually, it is literally spilling beans, but it's not the way you'd think. There is some debate about this, and it's unclear where it comes from. But the most commonly held belief as to where this originates is ancient greece where they used a voting process that involved different color beans you had a mm. white bean for yes or a black and brown bean for no and you drop it into a like a bowl and it was like an anonymous way of voting if you incidentally spilled that bowl you would reveal the secret results of whatever the vote was hence spilling the beans means mm. to re- reveal a secret mm. I got a couple more. Okay, um, let's finish it out, Mark. These are these are Australian as well, and the okay. Let me just give them to you first. Have a captain cook. Have a captain cook. Yeah. Uh, is it mean like somebody who's over in over their head? Is a captain no. cook like a like a food like a food brand? We're just like missing the reference. No, it's about Captain Cook, the historical figure. So um, Captain Cook was the first to land in Australia. And apparently after landing at Botany Bay, he sailed around Sydney Harbor um, to survey the area. Having a Captain Cook means to have a look. And this is like a rhyming phrase. And I think that next Mm. time if we do idioms, we should talk about... Cockney rhyming slang. 
Yeah, sure. Because okay. it's just ridiculous. Um, and these two phrases remind me of that. So have a Captain Cook. And the other is, what's the John Dory? What's the John Dory? Oh, what's the John Dory, mate? I have no idea. Perfect. <laughs> the... Well, a John Dory is a type of fish that oh. is um, popular and is grilled in Australia. Uh, but when someone asks what's the John Dory, they are rhyming with story. And it's like, what's what's the gossip? What's going on? Uh, okay. So they're rhyming with story without using story. They're using a rhyme in place of the actual word. Yeah. Would that be an idiom? Yeah. I think so. I think that's just a, a more colorful way of using an idiom, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I like that. It's definitely huh. a ref. I mean, this one is more of a reference than like a true idiom, but I think it still counts. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I did forget to mention that um, for my phrase, uh, takes the cake, that there was also some speculation that this might go back as far as the ancient Greeks which I thought was great because we always like tend to say like, well, to really understand this topic, we have to go all the way back to ancient Greece. I feel like it's or, been a while since we've had to be like, all right, well, ancient Mesopotamia. It's been a while, but um, a cake in ancient Greece was really like just toasted grain of some kind, like bound together with honey. Mm. Um, and it was a, Give a cake might be given to the most vigilant man on the night watch. Like, hey, you're doing a good job. You take the cake. Uh. Um, Aristotle says in uh, the Knights, if you surpass him in impudence, then we take the cake. So that phrase, take the cake, does go back to Aristotle. But I think the origin that I mentioned earlier in uh, the uh, American South probably has more of a direct lineage to what we're using today. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, I, that got lost in my notes, so I forgot to mention that. So there you go. Huh. Hmm. All right. Well, man, we covered quite a few this time. There's no shortage of these. And once you start thinking about them, you realize like, like you said earlier, Dave, how many of them you use in your, your everyday speech. Yeah. Well, definitely, you know, let us know. Email us an hour of our time podcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about these idiom episodes because, you know, we do them from time to time and we'd be happy, I think, to do them more often if everybody's into them. We could probably do these forever. Um, or if there's an idiom that you always wanted to know the origins of. We will look into it for you. Yeah, and I would love to know if there are idioms like if uh, regional or national idioms that uh, are maybe lesser known in, you know, maybe in lesser known where you currently live. Maybe you mm -hmm. grew up in some some place where you, you know, there was a phrase that was commonly used and nobody says it where you live now. Yeah, and that kind of stuff is interesting. <clears throat> I notice that every once in a while when you go to the grocery store. And you get a thing to push. What do you call it? 
so I was always raised calling it a buggy. I call it a buggy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a Northeastern Ohio thing for some odd reason. It's a shopping cart. It's a buggy. Huh. So, yeah. Colloquialisms are interesting. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. All right. Well, parting thoughts. Um, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Um, don't get stuck with it raining cats and dogs. Um, I don't know. I feel like we'd have been better off just doing the Harry. You could be the big cheese. Just do the Harry. <laughs> be the big cheese. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will talk to everybody in two weeks. See you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to an hour of our time. If you like what you heard, we encourage you to explore our catalog of over 150 episodes and rate and review on your platform of choice. And if you have any comments or episode topic suggestions, contact us at an hour of our time podcast at gmail.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.